Welcome back to the Youth Bible in One Year, day 175. Today's title is Pass on the Baton. And what we're talking about here is like a relay race, we have a responsibility to pass on the baton of our faith. So to tell others about our faith. And yesterday we prayed for one friend that doesn't yet know Jesus. And one thing you can do today is you can tell your story about what God's been doing in your life. It doesn't have to be huge. It doesn't have to be completely life-changing. Just the small things that Jesus is doing to shape you and form you into his likeness can be so powerful. So let's find out on how to tell our story and why we should tell our story and pass on the baton. When I left university at the age of 21, I moved to London and was looking for a church to join. I visited HCB and heard Sandy Miller speak. Afterwards, I asked if I could meet with him. Soon after, I joined the church and began to learn from this extraordinary leader, friend and role model. After several years as a member of the congregation, I went to train for ordination in the Church of England, and ten years after our first meeting, I returned to HCB as Sandy Miller's assistant minister. I continued in that role for 19 years, until 2005, when he passed on the baton to me, and I succeeded him as vicar of HCB. To this day, Sandy continues to be my role model, friend and inspiration. There have always been people in my life from whom I'm learning, and others to whom I'm trying to pass it on. Like runners in a relay race, we all have a responsibility to pass on the baton. From Psalm 78 We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, His power and the wonders He has done, so that the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children, Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. Tell. You have a story to tell. Every family has stories. Every church has its own stories of what God has done. Every Christian has a story, a testimony. All of us have access to the great story of what God has done in Christ. We have to tell the stories. This psalm gives us a sketch of Hebrew history leading up to King David and stresses the importance of passing it on to the next generation. We see a contrast between the sins of Israel and the goodness of God. Jesus himself quoted this psalm. The psalmist says, We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he's done, to teach their children so that the next generation would know them and they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God. Juan Carlos Ortiz tells the story of meeting an old lady in his native Argentina who introduced him to a young girl who was one of her great-grandchildren. She went on to tell that she'd had six children and 36 grandchildren. Her family was impressive in number, and among her grandchildren were many well-educated and professional people. Carlos asked her, How did you manage to produce such a large, well-fed, well-dressed, well-educated, extended family? She replied, I didn't. I just took care of six, and each of them took care of their six. Each generation has a responsibility to tell the next one about the goodness of God and to warn them of the mess that we make of our lives when we turn away from God's goodness. Lord, thank you for those who told us about the Lord, his power, and the wonders he has done. 
help us to pass it on to the next generation so that they would put their trust in you. New Testament from Acts 16 Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey. As they travelled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From there, we travelled to Philippi. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the woman who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened to her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptised, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Train. Paul recognised he had a responsibility to train up others. He found Timothy a fine young man. Timothy was discipled, trained and taught by Paul. Paul was a mentor to Timothy. They are a great example of what we should all be doing. Find a Paul from whom you can learn. Find a Timothy to whom you can pass it on. As with so many, I would say that every major strategic step or decision I've made has been inspired and encouraged not from a pulpit in a crowd of thousands, rather by someone within arm's reach. There is no doubt that preaching can make a big impact but we often overestimate the amount of truth that is assimilated between the pulpit and the pew. In my life, truth shared in proximity has been a key to my own personal growth. This seems to have been the key for Timothy. It was through Paul that Timothy had become a Christian and they became very close friends. Paul was older than Timothy and he described their friendship as being like that of a father and son. Paul described Timothy as my son, whom I love. They went through a great deal together. They travelled from town to town. They even spent time in prison together. During all this, Timothy would have been watching Paul and being trained up as his successor. It's not enough to hope that the Timothys are watching us. We must strategically position younger disciples to have significant opportunities to lead. Paul bestowed on Timothy real responsibility. He could trust him because he knew him so well. Paul involved Timothy in the work right from the start. They took decisions together. Through their ministry together, day after day, the congregations became stronger in faith and larger in size. Timothy learnt about the guidance of the Holy Spirit. When they tried to enter Bithynia, the Holy Spirit blocked that route. So they went to Mysia and tried to go north to Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus wouldn't let them go there either. This is an important lesson in life. 
I can think of at least five occasions in my life where I felt that I should go in a particular direction, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow the plan to succeed. As I look back now, I'm so thankful. The Spirit stopped plans, which in hindsight were clearly not the right ones. God then led Timothy and Paul in a new direction. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. Not surprisingly, Paul took this as clear guidance that they were to go to Macedonia. All the pieces had come together. We knew now for sure that God had called us to preach the good news to the Europeans. In Philippi, Timothy would have watched Paul on the first Saturday that he was there, going down to the river, where there was a group of women praying. As Paul spoke about Jesus, Lydia, a rich merchant woman, was converted. She invited Paul and those with him to come and stay in her home. It must have been an extraordinary and wonderful experience for them both to see how the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. The final letter attributed to Paul is to Timothy, to the very end of his life. Paul's priority was encouraging and releasing the next generation. Let's make it ours too. Lord, help every Paul to find Timothy's, who they can train up. Help every Timothy to find a mentor like Paul, who will pass on their experience to them. Old Testament from 1 Kings 12-14 to Jeroboam thought to himself, The kingdom is now likely to revert to the house of David. If these people go up to offer sacrifices at the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem, they will again give their allegiance to their Lord, Rehoboam, king of Judah. They will kill me and return to King Rehoboam. After seeking advice, the king made two golden calves. He said to the people, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Here are your gods as well, who brought you up out of Egypt. One he set up in Bethel, and the other in Dan, and this thing became a sin. The people came to worship the one at Bethel, and went as far as Dan to worship the other. Teach. Unless we learn the lessons of history, and teach the next generation, they will repeat the mistakes of the past. The Book of Kings records the history of the people of God, so that the following generations may learn from them. Sadly, the lessons we can learn from this passage are mainly negative. The account of Jeroboam is a terrifying one. He passed on a terrible legacy to the next generation. After seeking advice, the king made two golden calves. It's not enough to seek advice if we consult the wrong people. These chapters contain the account of this sin of the house of Jeroboam that led to its downfall and to its destruction from the face of the earth. Jeroboam's key sin was that he made up a form of religion and worship to suit himself. He encouraged idol worship rather than the worship of God. Jeroboam's religion is a made-up religion created to suit his own desires and needs. We may not worship golden calves, but the same danger is just as evident today. As Pope Francis has said, the most dangerous idol is our own selves when we want to occupy the place of God. This was Jeroboam's sin, and it affected the next generation. His son, Abijah, became ill and died. He ignored the good example of the earlier generation of David who'd lived with an undivided heart, pleasing God. Instead, he had set a new record in works of evil. Jeroboam 
may have had many military, commercial and political achievements, and yet it seems these successes are fairly irrelevant. As Jesus said, what good is it for you to gain the whole world, yet forfeit your soul? What matters most is a close relationship with the living God. Lord, I pray that you will raise up leaders in industry, politics, creative arts, media, and every sector of society who will honor you and pass on your message and your standards to the next generation. Pepper adds, In Psalm 78, verse 4, it says, We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done, so that the next generation will know them, even the children yet to be born. It is a challenge to pass on our faith to the next generation. I'm so grateful to the children and youth workers that we had at HTB who poured their love into our children and the children of thousands of others. Each year at Focus, our church holiday away, we have seen our children's lives and the lives of others transformed during that week. I'm so excited by what God is doing with the next generation and the potential for the children yet to be born is vast. Keep praying for them all. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the things you do in my life. Thank you for my story. I pray today that I would have the courage and the wisdom to know what to say and to say something to my friends to help pass on the baton of your goodness. I ask that they would listen and that you would open their hearts to receive you as their Lord and Saviour. Fill me with your spirit to know the right words to say. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.